Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis. I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? I'm well, man. How you doing? Nah, I'm doing great, man. No complaints over here. That's good. I'm also uh, pleased to announce we have a special guest, Derek Geese. How's it going, my brother? Going well. Going well. Good, good. All right, so the first question we normally ask is uh, how many kids you got and uh, what do you do professionally? Okay, so I have uh, four kids. Uh, my oldest is 22. My youngest is eight. Uh, I'm a 15-year-old. Well, I'm sorry, I have a 19-year-old as well as a 16-year-old. So I have four kids. Uh, professionally, I'm the executive director of Man-to-Man Fatherhood Initiative. It's a nonprofit whose sole purpose is provide the means for men to be better dads. Um, I also pastor. Uh, so that's, that's sort of the, the nutshell, what I do professionally. That's cool. Can you talk about how pastoring has impacted the way that you father? Sure. Um, you know, f- from the faith community, uh, we understand the perspective that God created family way before he established the church. Uh, away from the beginning, you know, he, he said, therefore, let a man leave mother, father and cling to his wife. There should be one flesh. Uh, so we from that framework, we see that uh, the role of the man was to band, husband, to band around the family, to provide the protection, provide the guidance. Um, and, and it later on goes on to say, if, if a man does not know how to take care of his own, he's worse than an infidel or he's worse than an unbeliever, is the role of the man is to care for the family. And to father, it means to, to basically uh, look after or to embrace and nurture and guide that was, which is under your watch. Um, so it does, it, it, it definitely comes from, the, to me, the nucleus of faith, uh, being able to uh, mirror God's plan in taking care of the family. So I, I, I see it as, as God's calling uh, part of God's calling to man is to take care of the family. To multiply and be fruitful is more than just make babies. It's also to multiply the wisdom, multiply the guidance, uh, and, and, and teach your family um, what it is to, 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 to take care, nurture, and guide, and replicate that model from generation to generation. I like that, what you said about, like, multiplying is is more than just having kids because usually when you hear that you know people think just you know popping out babies or having children but it's more to it than that i I like that that you that you spoke on so how long have you been um involved with um you said uh man man to man yes ever since uh 2000 uh, there was a, the Sisters of Charity of St. Augustine is a Catholic organization. They were trying to look at ways uh, to serve an underserved population. And their primary goal during that time was to help women and children. One of the things they saw they was missing, they were providing help and support to women and children, but where are the fathers? Where's the support for the fathers? So there, there was an RFP put out. Uh, to, to, to try to get the community to wrap around the idea of supporting fathers. So we received our first grant, which was $120,000, a three-year grant, uh, $360,000, $120,000 a year uh, to basically help fathers. It was a pilot program, supposed, supposed to have only been a three-year grant. 
um, and it was statewide, mostly in, uh, in, in South Carolina. It was statewide. Uh, it was about 10 programs that were funded. But after the third year, after looking at the data, they started to see the, the strong return on the investment that when you actually help men understand their parental roles and teach them that they're more, their role is more than just paying child support, but being involved, that you, you saw better grades from kids because father were involved, uh, children less likely to be in poverty because now the father's contributing financially, um, men having greater self-esteem because now they, they, there's a sense of accomplishment when you're able to become gangly employed and help your kids out. So after that three year, then the Center for Fathers and Families were formed uh, to help provide the technical assistance around helping father and helping men. So here I am, uh, 21 years later, <laughs> still doing fatherhood. Uh, I, I have an office in Florence, an office in uh, Florence, South Carolina, as well as Bennettsville. We serve about four different counties, helping men understand their parental roles and, and helping, helping them to uh, get the jobs training uh, to become gainfully employed, but also helping them uh, navigate legal systems. Because what happens is when you first serve child support, you don't get this manual of the do's and don'ts. And if you don't have the full amount and all this kinds of stuff. And so a lot of times men are frightened. So once, if your child support order is $120 a week, then if you have $95, you don't pay it because like, I don't have the full amount. Now realize you can do what you call good faith payments as long as you're showing something on your docket. So we begin to educate men on those, on those terms and let them understand that, hey, um, there's ways you can do this that, they, that may, not tell you in the for, or may not tell you on the front end. But also we learned that it helps uh, take a burden off the state. Uh, here in South Carolina, uh, to incarcerate a man uh, for child support averaged about, you know, a year's time because it's going to be a revolving cycle because once he get out the meter is still running he still have that deficit to pay and even more when he get out it averaged about sixteen thousand dollars a year that's on the burden on the tax collector on the citizens but if he goes to prison that's thirty thousand dollars so it's more advantageous to invest in community-based programs where you're only paying a fraction of that uh to programs to help keep these men out of jail because it does not help the mother nor the child nor the citizens to lock these men up because they didn't have the funds to pay child support and a lot of times these men are not dead beat they're just dead broke so if they're dead broke they don't have the monies to pay then we need to help them become gainfully employed help them uh, navigate barriers things that are keeping them from becoming gainfully employed uh so we, so we're still here 21 years later. We, we, we have expanded. We're, we're looking to uh, do more in helping men uh, because families are the bedrock of society. Yeah. So your story uh, sounds kind of similar to mine. I started this uh, Welcome to Fatherhood thing when uh, I was first having my first kid. Uh, it sounds like you had your first kid around the same time you started your journey. Uh, so what would you say has been the biggest uh, challenge that you had to face, you know, running this type of organization and being a dad at the same time? Probably the biggest challenge is, is helping uh, agencies that traditionally saw men from a punitive standpoint buy into the idea of partnering to help men. For example, when I first started, when I first, of course, I started when I was about I think, 27, 
Uh, that's when I started uh, fatherhood. And one of the things I ran into is that, of course, you partner with different a agencies to help uh, get their expertise, but also whatever uh, they offer to come in and, and offer that. One of the things we found that I found is when I went to do public speaking engagements or civic groups or or even trainings at the Department of Social Service, there will be uh, women in the audience like, yeah, but that, you know, these men are bad. These men uh, are, are, you know, almost like demonizing me and not understanding that there is no one size fit all when it comes down to men. Every man has a different situation of why he's not paying child support or why he's not visiting his child. And and once we start taking a deep dive into that and helping, uh, giving uh, anecdotal uh, scenarios of, of things we've saw, then it helped the women's eyes open up. It's like, wow, you know, I didn't ever think of that, that if a young lady moves on with her life, uh, she may want her boyfriend now to step into the father role and, 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 and the biological father gets ignored or pushed to the side as though that, you know, he doesn't matter. We, we got a whole new setup. And a lot of times those men back away and wait till the child becomes 18 to try to get into the life. And the whole time the child is feel, feeling as though my dad does not want me. So I guess one of the challenges was getting agencies that systematically uh, incarcerated men or ruled men in for child support or seeing men on the other side of the table when it comes down to uh, child protective services, getting them to see these men in a different light uh, wanted and, and offering to give them a second chance, at least a second look. So that was one of the biggest challenges. Right. Do you do you feel like um, the state benefits from having men in the child support system? Very much so. Um, I also worked in, and 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 I've worked in corrections. So uh, when I was a correction officer, uh, one of the things I saw that the prison industry have something uh, uh, what the prison system has, which you call prison industries. Uh, I worked at this prison and they had a, and it's amazing though, that they had a plant uh, on site. And what they did, they manufactured uh, computer harness, uh, uh, yeah, harnesses for, for computers. And they used them in helicopters and things of that nature. And I and saw- This is at the prison? At the prison. Okay. And so, these men, I, I, I watched these men work in these prisons and, you know, nice, sophisticated work wiring these harnesses. And and on the outside, the job probably, probably would pay about $25 to $30 an hour. Real nice, top work. They're doing well. But these guys were being paid almost $0.32 cents an hour. Wow. So I'm looking, I'm looking at this like, wow, these, but what, what gets me, is that these guys can work in the prison for almost 32 cents an hour for companies that place these factories here. But once they get out of prison, those same companies won't hire them because they have a record. <laughs> so it was, it was to the advantage for those men to get locked up because you can use them, basically pay them slave wages. So it was a benefit to the state. Uh, and I also saw, of course, in the early 90s, that I, I still look at this thing and, and it just completely, com completely just messes with my mind. 
that when I came up in school, they had vote tech and different industry, different types of training you could get involved with while you were in high school. So the average uh, kid, when he graduated, he had a high school diploma, but he also had a trade. And so when they graduated, they can literally work in their own hometown because you had factories and you had trainings, you had uh, construction jobs and, 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 and different things that were there that you can really take care of your family pretty decent. But I noticed that, and, and I'm not gonna drift off the politics, but I do realize that once uh, they took the factories away and moved them away and offshored them, a lot of the Votech training left the schools as well. And those same trainings that they took from the schools got placed in the prison. So now the only way a, a, a young man that can get any training to help himself, he's got to get locked up and go to prison. <laughs> so while it benefits the state and benefits the factories, because now you have these jobs, you would have to pay benefits and uh, $25 to $30 an hour for, now you can get this guy. And then they uh, put concerning sentencing. Now every guy has to do 85% of his time. So now he's got an extension on his sentence that even if he does well and go to and, and go to chapel and read books and get his degree, he can't go before the parole board and, and get out early because he, there's a mandatory, man, mandatory he's got to do 85% of his time. So that family's suffering and the companies as well as the state is winning. So I, I do see some advantages there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I, like the connection between like the the training. You said that the only place that they really have it or have access to the opportunity is in prison. In so prison. it's like they're yeah. training them in order to be low income, pretty much slave labor, like how you said. Absolutely, that's, that's crazy. Absolutely, because now if you if you go to the uh, uh, your federal prisons, he can he can get HVAC training, he can get construction training, he can get automobile uh, automobile mechanics training uh, at this and and that and that that's at the federal prison, at the state prison, some of the similar training. But now, over the last actually this year, and pr- well prior to that. They were starting to remove that when I was in uh, when I was as 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 an officer in prison. They started removing a lot of the trainings because they wanted to bring it back to the old ball and chain days, where you know you just sitting there just working on these factories, working in this the in-house factory in the prison, and the only training you would get then was just to do your job there. So there's been a, a gradual decline to make sure that these men have low skills or no skills at all. And once they get out and they don't have skills, then they're gonna, uh, it's good, the recidivism rate is gonna go back up. He's gonna reoffend because he's becoming institutionalized. Uh, and so it, it's, it's amazing, man. And, and that's why our, our goal is to help these, open their eyes to let them see, hey, there are some things that, um, that, that have been you know, set against you, but there's another route you can take to take care of, of you, you and your family. So, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, um, 
well, can you talk about your relationship with your father? Like how um, how you all's relationship was when you were coming up? Actually, yeah, I I I I had a good father. I had an I I had the ideal dad. My dad actually passed away last year, um, but he was a, a strong man. He was a he was a pastor. Uh, he was a man of faith, but he he was a man's man. He believed in men taking care of themselves, taking care of your family. He used to have this saying, he used to say, he said, you know, even if a woman, if you marry a woman and she doesn't hit a, a lick. Gotcha. Yeah, my, my, my dad was an ideal father. He, he taught parental responsibilities. He taught there was a responsibility of a man to take care of his kids. And that if a woman did not work, he called it, if she didn't hit a, a lick of the black snake, then that's still a man responsibility, <laughs> you know. And so uh, that, that was his philosophy, that a man is to take care of his family, no matter even if he had to dig a ditch to do it. Um, so, yeah, so he, he basically put that value in me, um, a work ethic, a uh, protector, and just being available for your family. He taught me that the best thing you can spend on your child is not so much money, but time. Uh, so yeah, I learned a lot from him uh, and I, I appreciate the relationship I had. He was always a man that uh, he lived by morals. He lived by principles. And he taught that to me and my two brothers to always have live, live by those principles of man's word is his bond uh, and, and make sure that you uh, stand up for what's right even if you're the only one standing. So he, he, he was a definitely a, a man which I call old school values. And I think those old school values we can, we can, we can actually use today. What would you say has been the um, biggest lesson that you've learned from your children? The biggest lesson I've learned from my children is one size doesn't fit all. You have to uh, pay attention to their different personalities. They have, the same needs, but in different ways. Uh, you know, I have like, there's a compare and contrast between my two daughters. So uh, I have a daughter that's 16, and my daughter that's 19. The daughter that's 19, she just wants to. Uh, she she's a she's the life of the party. She's a she's a. Uh, I mean, she walks in, she likes the room, she likes to talk, she likes to, you know, socialize. Uh, and that's what she wants. My other daughter, she basically just wants to talk about the latest things that are going on, you know, in her school and things of that nature and just, you know, similar personalities, but different. So I have to address, address them different. Uh, so I've, I've learned, I've learned from them that money is good, but they rather have my attention and quality time been a listener i've learned that more than anything that they just want to know that they matter uh, that they are respected uh, so a lot of times we think kids just want these extravagant things those things are nice and they and they will mention those things but the biggest things that light up the world is actually your time and attention i've learned that from each one of them and their personalities are different therefore i have to give them different levels of attention because one side doesn't, one size doesn't fit all. So how long did it take for you to, to learn that? Was it like, um, 
did it take some some years or was it something that was instinctual believe it or not i've learned that but i'm still learning that <laughs> because your, your 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 kids will your kids even show show you how that they're more like you than more them than what you think they they cause you to examine yourself but i guess i learned that from i would probably say my when my oldest daughter was about 10 and my oldest son was about he would have been about 14 during that time and i started to notice something because my i was i was coming off of divorce and i actually had custody of those kids i actually raised my two kids before i had this my next two kids with my next wife and i noticed that you know you know by being a single father during that time you know of course, I could I, I could provide the, the the food, the clothing, the shelter, the bare necessities, but I started noticing that there there were some emotional needs that they were not getting from their mother at the time because she was not she was not available. So I started seeing those emotional needs, and you know it was more than just hey you know you're eating, you're going to school, you got clothes. I started to notice that they started manifesting some. Uh, some problems in school start getting calls from teachers that you know my daughter's acting up and like, why are you acting like this and and I started realizing it's because she didn't have the love and attention from her mother at the time so I so I really had to figure out okay what, what can I do to can't take a mother's place but what can I do to try to fix that because as men we want to be fixers we want to make sure we solve we we, we want to put the fire out as soon as possible so I started seeing some emotional needs there. And then as she began to uh, become a teenager, I started seeing some more problems she was having. And it was because of that boy. Uh, then when she was then she, when she would come into contact with her mother, there would be conflict because she was she was demanding something from her that she didn't get from childhood. Because when we divorced and I had custody of my kids, my daughter was 10 months old. My son was about to turn four. Uh, so then, and I noticed there are some needs that he still wrestles with, uh, because not an absent father, but an absent mother. That time. So when I, uh, so when I got married, um, my wife, she was, she had to learn, you know, how to be a stepmother and how to deal with, okay, now I'm stepping in to be a mother, but now it's almost like I'm competing with their biological mother because, you know, she wanted them to still call her mom and, you know, as though that she wasn't there, as though she was there and all. So it was, it was a lot of conflict. So I started seeing some emotional needs that my kids were, were, were wrestling with. Uh, so that, that taught me to try to be available in the moment and try to empathize with what they may be feeling and try to help them through that. Uh, how would you say your, the relationship uh, between your two oldest and your two youngest are? Because, um, you know, they're, they're um, all your kids, but, you know, two are with different moms. Because uh, I'm been I'm divorced, too, and uh, I'm kind of going through that, too. My ex is in a relationship. She are, she's had a kid, um, and they kind of have a blended, I guess, family now. Uh, so... Uh, how how did that how did they deal with that transition? 
they dealt with it. It, it was it, they dealt with it okay, but I think the biggest challenge was um, after I had more kids, and of course they they were in the house. They they, they lived in the household. That seeing that the the younger kids had their biological mother in the house with them every day, and they was hoping to see their mother on the weekends or whenever she was going to come down for the holidays. I could tell that that bothered me so, um, but you know, we would constantly talk to them and um, let them know it's okay to feel a certain way. Um, but don't, don't hold that. Don't allow that emotion to dominate you. Um, allow your mother to be who she can be. And just know that there are other people that loved you, and 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 so now my, my my kids they're older now, but they're they're doing better with that now, uh, because I think they're starting to you know see the world for what it is, and starting to realize you know hey you know I can you can never fill that void, but you can involve yourself in life and and, and sort of get immersed and get you know occupied in other things versus just looking at what you did not have and start appreciating what you do have. And I think that was the biggest lesson we had to show them. Look at look at who is in your life and, and, and don't really look at who's not in your life. So they don't really have a bad relationship, but I do know sometimes I have noticed in the past that they will look and see that, hey, wow, she has her mother and her dad together. And I got, of course, we got my dad and, you know, and then there's our stepmother, but I could tell that they, they they felt a certain kind of way, but they didn't never really had any animosity towards their siblings. I could I could tell they just wished that their biological mother was more involved. How's their relationship now with their mom? They have a it's it's an interesting relationship. Okay. <laughs> to say the least, because even though that, you know, my daughter, she has her own house now, my uh, my son, he sells cars and he, he stays with his grandmother on his mother's side. They, 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 they see the mother, they spend time, they do things together, but you can tell that there's, there's still a, a little soft spot there. Uh, because I think it still bothers my daughter it, because sometimes she, she always felt that maybe her mom's spent more time with other people than they did them and put other people before them. But they, 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 they have an improved relationship. I'll say that. Yeah, they, they have an improved relationship. And I think <laughs> it's a relationship of more understanding. We know who she is. We know who we are. And let's kind of let that. And I guess they say they, they, they'll roll with that. You know, they, yeah. they don't have these lofty expectations, knowing that they can't go back and start over. They just kind of, you know, stop looking for her to be mommy dearest and just accept her for who she is. And what she can do, and when she does buy you something, or she if y'all do go out to the mall together, and and, and accept that. Mm. Did their mother ever have other children? No, no. Okay, okay. And uh, what is your relationship like with uh, your ex, your ex wife now? Is it uh, is it good or uh, is it just uh, pass and go? Pass and go. <laughs> 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 it could have been better, but sometimes you know how it is when whenever a relationship uh, goes sour, and it wasn't, and I'm not pleading innocent, but it wasn't really any fault of my own. Um, that's why I had custody. That's why the judge saw fit to give me custody. I was the one present. I was there, you know, working, taking care of my kids. It was home, 
home and work, you know, that, that's what I did. Um, and, uh, and so now we, it's, it's more, she, you know, she, I, th- I think she's remarried. So, uh, it's, Hey, how you doing? And, and that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty yeah. much it. You mentioned before how, uh, you see similarities in your children, uh, in yourself, uh, as far as like, uh, between you and your kids, uh, which one of your kids is the most like you, if you had to point one out? I, I would definitely have to say my eight year old. I mean, he, uh, I have a sense of humor. I, I like to have fun, um, but I, I have a sensitive, a sensitive side. I'm, I'm very empathetic when it comes down to people's needs, um, but I have a sense of humor as well, and I'm very uh, observant. And when I see him, it's, it's it's funny. My my wife always telling me, "You ain't nothing but a little dairy." <laughs> there go. I don't know whether that's good. I don't know what she means good or bad, but <laughs> but because uh, she mostly says that to him when he's sarcastic, so I don't know. <laughs> he reminds me a lot of myself. Um, I, I see a lot of similarities, uh, in, 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 but that, it's amazing. But I see a little bit of myself in different in, in all of them in different ways, mm-hmm. uh, in different ways, but mostly probably my girls. All right, cool. I know um, we're getting close to time, so I have one last question for you. Okay. Um, I know you have, like, you said 22 years of experience working with fathers, right? Yeah, 21. Yeah, oh, 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you could give advice to, like, a young father, um, what would it be and, and why? Gotcha. If I was to give advice to a young father, I would say that don't let anybody minimize your role as a father. Um, many times when, a, when, when you have a young father, you, you, you're not going to know everything to do. You, there's not a manual that comes with fatherhood when your child comes out. Yeah. Uh, but be present. You may not get everything right, but be present. Don't run from the responsibilities. Even if she has another uh, husband or or a child stays with the grandmother that does not minimize who you are even though they may say you're no good and we don't need you anymore just send just send a child support check don't run from the responsibility and say well you know i don't matter your child you you matter in the eyes of your child you got an s on your chest you're superman you mean the world to that child even though the mothers the grandmothers everybody may downplay who you are what your role is because i feel like they got it they got the money they got the resource they really don't need you don't back away because one day your kid is going to wonder whether or not you really wanted them or whether or not you abandoned them so stay stay present um fight to be in your child's life when i say fight i'm talking about there, there there are legal ways that you can get visitation there's something called pro se visitation where if you don't have the money many times um the courts will waive the $150 filing fee so you can get uh, visitation. Many times that's every other weekend and they will alternate holidays. But be present. Know that you play a great role in the life of your kids and don't minimize who you are as a man. That's great. Great advice. Yeah. Advice. Uh, Derek, one last thing I have. Uh, 
already asked you this question already. You gave me the answer. I just want to read it and I actually kind of elaborate on it a little bit. Um, my question to you was, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And, and Derek, you said nurturing, protecting, and guidance. Real short and sweet, but to the point. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it means that to me because the old saying goes that the mother gives the first birth, but it's the daddy get, that gives the second birth. Um, dads provide uh, a sense of uh, understanding who you are, stability, um, a level of security. When I, when my dad was in the home when I was little, I I never feared anything because I felt like if anybody came to my door, my dad could handle it. I don't care if Hulk came to that door, my dad was there. And it gave me a sense of security. So I feel that every dad should supply that to their kids. Um, and the nurturing side, even though people say, well, you know, mothers, they're nurturers. Fathers nurture too, but we nurture different. We, we nurture in a different way, uh, but it's essential and needed. So I think we, our job is to help guide, help give our kids a statistic show that when a father is not in the life of his daughter, then the daughter, you know, has a higher uh, pre preposition uh, to go and, and, and exhibit um, a lot of deviant behavior and promiscuous behavior because she's looking for love. She's looking for that father's love and whatever man she can get it from. So we have to provide that nurture and, and that guidance. So I think that's, that's and the data is showing 78% of prison inmates come from fatherless homes. So when we're not there, we impact the community, the community impact society, and that impacts the nation. So our roles are vitally important. So Derek, you and your answer, you said something that, uh, that was interesting to me. Can you talk about like this, the second birth? Yes. So whenever we, when we think about birthing, we, we, we just think about physical birth that when a that woman carries a child for nine months of, of development and she brings the child out. But that's the same way that a father does spiritually to his sons, to his daughters. It's almost like a rites of passage that we bring them, we, we birth them into uh, understanding what their roles are. Uh, we birth our daughters into understand what a mother, what, what a father's supposed to be like. She, her, the first man she falls in love with should be a father. So she knows uh, what type of man to look for. The sons, we birth sons into the rites of passage of what is masculinity? What does it mean to be a role? What, because many times uh, 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 there was a, there was a study done, uh, it was an article written by Dr. Wade Horn. He was talking about uh, that they had this uh, enclosement or this uh, sanctuary with elephants. And they noticed that the elephant's population was overgrowing. And so when the population was overgrowing, they removed the, the bull elephants or the, the male elephants out of captivity and they put them in another uh, another place. And so you had the mother elephants and the, the, the sons. So what happened was they started noticing something very strange. They started noticing a lot of the animals uh, was gorged and, you know, 
killed and they start finding buffaloes and different ones, animals, gourds, and, you know, and other elef elephants and the rhino, especially the rhino. They would start noticing some of the rhinos that they had in the sanctuary, just gourd, but they noticed that the tusks were not removed. So they that eliminated that it could have been poachers. So what they did, they set up some cameras to try to record what was going on. And to their surprise, they saw that the young elephants were killing the rhinos because what it what happens is once the young elephants start to grow, they exhibit what it calls, of course, testosterone. So what they did, they brought the male elephants in, the bull elephants, they brought them back in the enclosure and all the killing ceased because the young elephants learned from the bull elephants how to handle their testosterone. So even in the animal kingdom, it shows that when you remove the males or when you remove the, the landmarks, the, 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 the ones that birthed them into understanding of life, you have chaos. And so many times we're throwing all these programs, monies to all these programs that just focus on activities. We got to go back to the structure of bringing the men back. If you want to stop the chaos in society, gangs, killing and all these type of things, you have to bring the males back into the picture. Yes, yeah, that's powerful. So uh, I'm going to call this a Hall of Fame episode. Dr. Young, uh, do, you, do you agree? Can we put this in the Hall of Fame? Can we, uh, oh, yeah, we can put it in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> let's do it. This is, man, it's been one of my favorites. Uh, so, again, uh, Derek, I appreciate you for your time, for your candor, for sharing your story. And even that story, the, the elephant story, I didn't, I didn't, I never heard that story before. Uh, that's, that's a powerful story in relation to fatherhood. Dr. Young, did you have anything else? Any other comments? Any other questions? No, I don't have any other questions. But, uh, Derek, if people wanted to get in contact with you or to learn more about Man to Man, um, how how can they do that? Gotcha. So we have a website. It's called Man, the number two man, man to man fathers.com. Man to man fathers.com. Or they can call uh, one of our. One four nine three. Actually, that's my cell. Eight four five three five one four nine three. But they can also call the office number, which is eight four eight four three four seven nine four one seven seven. Okay, great. Uh, Derek, can you give your your cell uh, number again? Because I, yes. I think you muted yourself when you were saying it. Okay. Okay. Eight four three five three five one four nine three. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So yeah, again, Derek, I appreciate you. Don't hang up. We're gonna uh, do a little, you know, powwow after we uh, end, the, end the session here. Uh, but again, for myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, and for Dr. Raheem Young, and also for our special guest, Derek Peace. Thanks again for listening to WTF interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements. Yes, yes, Sir Royce here, and I want to thank you again for listening to WTF interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Raheem Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to WTFatherhood.org. Again, gratitude and be well. You already are.